Good afternoon. Today we have, or this Sunday, we have the Call of Matthew. A very short account, but a very wonderful one. Long gospel here. We want to stress how Jesus comes to find sinners, to come to seek and to save the lost. He he doesn't bring perfect people into his service, but he finds sinners. He heals them and forgives them of their sins. And often, like in the case of Matthew, he even calls them to do more, to be greater, to be one of his apostles, to serve him in, in many different ways. Uh, that, that call to serve isn't an obligation that weighs upon us that we have to do or we're not really saved, right? That call to serve is a, a joyful gift from the Lord that we are able to serve him who served us, to serve him who died for us. Jesus finds the lost and brings them into his kingdom. And, and when he brings us into his kingdom, we don't just sit around twiddling our thumbs, but we become a part of that kingdom uh, to to serve our father and to, to work with him. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Much has been made about the fact that Jesus called fishermen like Peter, James, and John to follow him and how they're uneducated and Jesus called them anyway. Sometimes that point, it's an important point, but sometimes it's taken too far to suggest that, well, pastors don't need to be educated. Well, Jesus did call uneducated people like Peter, James, and John, but he he changed them. That's the really wonderful thing. That's the really marvelous thing. Peter, James, and John didn't stay uneducated. After Jesus called them into the apostleship, and especially after he rose from the dead and they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they searched the scriptures diligently. They didn't sit around twiddling their thumb thinking, well, the Spirit will give me what to say, uh, and, and I don't need to read God's word or study or learn or do anything like that. No, they studied God's word, seeking out the wonderful message that was there. So they were uneducated, but then God, Jesus came and changed them. And the same thing happens here. Here we have somebody who is, would have been highly educated. Uh, you know, one of the more educated people of his day, uh, in order to do his job, he had to obviously add and subtract, but also read and write and, and write reports back to the, the Roman government and, and do all kinds of other things as well. Highly educated, but a sinner. And it wasn't just that the Jews thought of him as a sinner. The tax collectors were unscrupulous. We don't know specifics about Matthew, of course, but tax collectors were, in general, unscrupulous. They had a contract with the Roman government to collect so many taxes and send that money back to Rome. And the Roman government didn't care how much taxes they collected beyond that. So as long as they submitted that that amount of taxes that they had contracted with the Roman government. They had a contract for so many taxes and they had a certain area they were supposed to work in. And as long as they sent that back to Rome, the Roman government didn't care what they did beyond that. And so many of them would charge way more, charge the people way, way more because everything beyond that they, they, would, they were able to keep from themselves. It's very obvious that Matthew did that as well because later on he gives a great feast. He was obviously a very wealthy person. Uh, he wasn't collecting just a few pennies more than he needed, right, uh, to send back to Roman, but yeah, obviously collecting quite a much, quite a bit more. Not only that, but notice that Matthew's place, his position where he was taxing collectors was the docks of the Sea of Galilee. The other apostles, Peter, James, John, they were fishermen in the docks on the Sea of Galilee, right? So it's very possible that this was the very man who was coming around collecting taxes from them. They would have been upset with Matthew. They themselves would have been upset with Matthew. You can imagine that might have caused 
tensions among the among the apostles among the disciples later on when now he's a part of their apostleship a part of their disciples and they probably grew up grumbling and complaining about him but we never read about any such tension it probably was it may have been there but we never read about any of it but rather we see the forgiveness that jesus brought matthew into into the kingdom forgave his sins uh welcomes him in Jesus takes people as they are and he changes them for uh, his his service. Sometimes he calls the uneducated, some he, and but he doesn't want them to remain educated, uneducated. Sometimes he calls the sinners, but like Matthew, but he doesn't uh, call them to remain sinners. He calls them and he changes them by his power. It's not important what people were before. What's important is what we are in Jesus. And what we are in Jesus is saved and children of God and sons who will inherit his kingdom. Matthew previously was named Levi. We don't know why or when or how or why he changed his name. Uh, it's likely that he changed his name when he became a disciple of Jesus. But we don't know if Matthew himself changed his name or if Jesus changed his name. We know that Jesus, for example, changed Peter's name. He used to be uh, Simon, but now he's uh, Peter, the rock, right? And we don't know if it was Jesus who changed Matthew's name or if he himself changed it. But his name previously, previously was Levi. Now his name is Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. I know what that name means. It, you know why, but uh, it means gift of God. And so uh, if, if Matthew changed it himself, he's showing his appreciation for what Jesus did for him. The name Levi just means joined to. Uh, it dates back to uh, the, you know, the sons of the sons of Jacob, Levi was given that name because Leah, his mother, was hoping that uh, this son would make uh Jacob love her more and so she said well he will join me to to my husband uh, but the the significance of the name Levi of course isn't so much in what the name means as what as the fact that Levi was one of the 12 sons of Jacob and not only one of the 12 sons but the tribe that was chosen by God to be the priests and ministers are the ones proclaiming the word of God so Levi obviously was a popular name among the Jews Matthew was also a popular name among the Jews after the time of the exile, a gift of God. That's a, a very beautiful uh, meaning there. However, even though Matthew was a popular name among the Jews, uh, it's the only he's the only one in Scripture. This Matthew is the only one in Scripture that we know of uh, by that name. It's Matthew, so he's kind of unique. A lot of the <laughs> a lot of the other names, like Mary, for example, occur more than one person, but Matthew is unique. It's not a unique name anymore, I can tell you that, uh, but it was, uh, it, but it is in, in scripture uh, among um, the New Testament. He's the only one named Matthew. Matthew also wrote the Gospel of Matthew. That's an important point to, <laughs> to bring across. Uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew is possibly written in Aramaic. Some people believe it was originally written in Aramaic. If it was, it was the only book in the New Testament that wasn't written originally in Greek. Uh, it was definitely written to the Jews, and so we could understand why Matthew wrote it in Aramaic, the, the language of the Jews at the time. But uh, it was definitely written to the Jews. Uh, Matthew starts the genealogy of Jesus with Abraham. He doesn't need to go back to creation because all he has to do is go back to Abraham and, and to prove that Jesus is in the line, is descended from Abraham and is descended from David. Uh, and the Jews knew the history of Abraham. He doesn't have to go back that far. Uh, so he just goes back to uh, to Abraham, uh, and in many other ways, it's really the gospel to the Jews. It's 
in the Gospel of Matthew, the Old Testament is quoted more than any of the other Gospels, showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so the, the symbol for Matthew, remember the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it might be a good chance to remind your kids, well, of the four Gospels, which two were apostles? And that, of course, was um, Matthew and John. Mark and Luke were not apostles, but they were evangelists. Uh, evangelist means they wrote one of the four Gospels. So you have four evangelists. Of those four evangelists, two of them, Matthew and John, were of the 12 apostles. Uh, Matthew was both, one of the apostles and one of the evangelists. The four evangelists each have a unique symbol. Uh, that is, that's not biblical, but it's something that the church has used time out of mind, so almost since the beginning of the church. Matthew's symbol is an angel because he proclaims that he's the messenger from uh, Matthew, is the messenger proclaiming uh, the arrival of the Messiah to the Jews. The, the angels were the messengers uh, to God's people. And here, Matthew is the messenger to God's people, proclaiming, the, making that proclamation, oh, Jesus is the Messiah. So the symbol of Matthew is uh, the angel. Um, as we mentioned before, uh, Matthew was extremely wealthy, and we're going to see that as he throws a great feast. But notice also that the throwing of the great great feast is an example of his repentance. And not only that, but Matthew, okay, so he's, city, he's a tax collector, and he has kind of forsaken uh, his people, the Jews, he, he was a Jew himself, in favor of the gathering of wealth that's you know that's what he cares about to to become a tax collector was uh, to be outcast uh, by the other jews and to not be allowed they were not allowed the 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 sadducees the, the jewish leaders at the time did not allow tax collectors to come and worship at the temple so by becoming a tax collector he had separated himself from god and from his people and had in a very real way chosen money over god but now you see that reversal in the calling of matthew uh immediately when jesus calls him he gets up and leaves everything he leaves his practice he leaves his business he leaves his house he leaves his money and follows jesus and the last thing he does with that money is to to give this great big feast, uh, to spend that money, to, you know, to give food to others. Uh, so there, it's an it's a repentance, not just of words, but of actions as well, where he is laying aside that the pursuit of earthly money, which before he had been doing, and now is following Jesus. Verse 10, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? No, it's, it's not just that Jesus is eating with Matthew. It's now many tax collectors are coming to eat with him. But notice it's they who are coming to eat with him. They are seeking out Jesus, who they know has come to give them salvation and to forgive their sins. Jesus doesn't turn away those who come to seek him out, even though they be the greatest of sinners. In the Old Testament, the Lord told Moses to set aside six cities in the nation of Israel, and they were to be spread out throughout the nation of Israel. The six cities were called the cities of refuge. And anyone, even a murderer, even somebody who murdered you know, his, his neighbor or something, if they made it to one of these cities, they were safe. They couldn't be prosecuted as long as they remained in the city. Uh, it talks about that in the Old Testament. And I'll just mention the names of those cities. Uh, Kadesh in Naphtali, Shechem uh, in Ephraim, Hebron in Judah, 
Golan and Bashan, Ramath, Gilead and Gad, Bezer and Reuben. Uh, and I'll put those. I'll put that list and the the map um, of those six cities in your in the email that I sent to you. Uh, that might be a good thing to bring into the lesson because it is such a short lesson. You have opportunity to talk about uh, some of these other things, and this fits in well because those six cities were a picture of Jesus. Anyone who fled to those cities w found refuge from from the effect, the, the consequences of their sin. Uh, they didn't have to die, even though they had committed murder. And now many people are fleeing to Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners are coming and fleeing to Jesus to seek refuge from their sins, as we do as well. When Jesus heard that, what the Pharisees had said to the disciples, and notice the cowardice of the Pharisees. They don't uh, approach Jesus himself, but they talk, to Je they talk about Jesus behind his back to his disciples. But nevertheless, Jesus hears them, and he responds himself. He, Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And of course, all are lost, but not all know that they are lost. The Pharisees don't recognize that they are lost. And uh, the last two Sundays, we kind of saw that in the difference of those two parables. In the parable of the lost son, the son, the, the prodigal son, uh, the son recognizes that he is lost and turns to Jesus, turns to the love of his father. In the second parable that we had this last Sunday, the, the workers in the vineyard, they are lost in their sin, but they refuse to recognize him, and they don't come to Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We're all lost, but we need to. We need that law of God to teach us, to show us that we're lost, so that we return to him. Paul, of course, reminds us that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. And this is why the law is so important. Uh, the law, law is important as a guide, but it's even more important as a mirror. Here, So review the, the three uses of the law. The law acts as a guide, a mirror, uh, and a curb. Actually, curb is first. Curb, mirror, guide. Right? It acts as a curb to punish uh, sin, to keep sin to minimum. It can't stop sin altogether, but it can uh, keep it from getting too bad. Right? It acts as a guide to tell us what God wants us and what's not to do. But most importantly, it acts as a mirror to show us our sin so that we recognize that we're lost and come to Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The law is that tutor teaching us that we are sick so that we flee to that great physician who alone can heal our sin. But the Pharisees don't recognize this. They think they're, they're good enough in and of themselves, and so they don't understand what Jesus is doing. And Jesus responds to them in verse 13, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There might be some confusion there because the Bible does speak of us in some ways keeping our distance from sinners. The first Psalm, Psalm 1, uh, the first verse of the first Psalm, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Uh, so one might say, well, isn't Jesus sitting in the seat of the scornful? Isn't he walking in the path of sinners? Here he is, eating with the sinners. That's certainly what the Pharisees were saying. Uh, God's word says, don't do that. But the difference here is, what? Matthew is repentant. He is a sinner, but he is a repentant sinner who has recognized his sin and is seeking forgiveness through Jesus. Psalm 1 is talking about us joining them in their sin. It's not talking about those who come to Jesus seeking forgiveness. Uh, God doesn't say that, oh, we should shun them and keep them out of the church because of what they formerly did. We also formerly were sinners, uh, but we are leaving that path of sin 
and we still sin, true, but we're leaving the path of sin, repenting of it, and coming to Jesus. That's the, the big difference. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We don't want to join them in their sin. We don't want to join ourselves in our own sinfulness, right? We, we repent of it and we come to Jesus. But those who are repentant, as Matthew clearly was, he leaves his practice, his tax collecting practice, right? He leaves it. He forsakes, abandons that money that before now was so important to him that he was willing to be ostracized from his, his own people. Uh, he abandons it to follow Jesus. You can see it in his life that he has repented. Uh, and so the, Jesus is not saying sin is okay. He's not joining them in their sin, but he is calling them out of their sin to walk with him. Jude 1, 21 and 23, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Notice the difference there. We have mercy on the sinner, teaching them about Jesus, calling them to repentance, even as we call ourselves to repentance. We don't look down on them, but we don't join them in their sin. This last Sunday in Bible class, we were at I was actually talking about years ago, there was this church up in Canada, which thought, well, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to, Jesus ate with the sinners. We're supposed to seek and save the lost. So we'll go have church. We'll have our worship service in a strip club. And they did that. They actually went uh, and had church in the strip club. But notice the big difference there. They weren't call, and they, they probably were preaching against it. They would say, well, we're, we're calling them. We're calling them out of this sinful behavior. That's probably what they would say. Uh, but they, in a in a visual way at least, they were joining with that sinfulness. Uh, they weren't going to eat with repentant sinners by doing that, were they? But they were taking the worship service into a place where they were really walking in the seat of the scornful, uh, where they were joining themselves to the sinful behavior of others instead of calling others out of the sinful behavior. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and to call us out of our sin. Have mercy on the sinner, but as Jude reminds us, uh, that doesn't mean we join them in their sin. So, uh, Jesus came to, to seek and save the lost, which includes us. Jesus is our city of refuge. Uh, we can flee to him. Uh, Jesus changes uh, both the uneducated, the sinner, uh, the, the arrogant. He changes us. He takes us and changes us through his forgiveness and gives us work to do in his kingdom, uh, as he did for Matthew. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson this week.